Welcome to the Project Fitness Podcast for fitness professionals and fitness enthusiasts who want to be better at life. Fitness is the greatest investment of anyone's life. However, it's not easily obtained, and anyone who says different is just plain wrong. Join award-winning personal trainer and strength conditioning coach Chris Fudge every Monday as he explores all aspects of fitness that can lead you to your optimal health. Welcome to another episode of the Project Fitness Podcast. Today, we're sitting down with Tony Gentlecore, and Tony is someone who's been in the industry from the early days of my careers. Uh, Tony- I was going to say the early day, like I thought, okay, that the nice reframe there, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> Tony's worked with, with pro athletes and one of the co-founders of uh, Chris's Performance Center, and it's continued on to do a handful of things. And I got to be honest with you, Tony, like when I started, so I've been a, I've been a personal trainer, I'm in my 15th year where I've been getting paid for it. And this is different because I know a lot of people would say they've been a personal trainer for a long time. I'm like, but I'm getting paid for it. It's different. I started yes. working out when I was 12. We all did, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for 15 years. And um, <laughs> one of your YouTube videos shocked my mind. All right, I, which one? Now I'm intrigued. But so it's, it's it started off with muscle and fitness. That's where I, that's where I started from. So I was like, Jay Cutler was my guy. Ronnie was my guy. Like even the tail end of Dorian Yates. I liked the bodybuilding world. And then all of a sudden, I saw you do a Paloff press. Is that what is that silly looking thing? <laughs> like a Paloff press. It was a Paloff press. It was a cable pull through. Yeah, yeah. I saw you doing those two moves on YouTube, and I was just like, what is this? And then I, I fell into the world of strength and conditioning and athletic-based training. Mm-hmm. And that's where I was like, oh, it's not just chest and back day. It's not just shoulder day. It's not just bicep day. So I've been a bit of a fan from the early days because you were one of the first people to really change my mindset when it came to exercise and training. So I'm super excited to have you on here today. Awesome. So to the podcast. Well, thank you. It was it was a pleasure to. Uh, I think we crossed paths a couple of weeks ago down in Florida. I know this was the impetus of me coming on was I was presenting at the Raise the Bar conference down in Orlando, Florida. Which, you know, how nice is it to be like amongst like minded individuals? Finally, how how awesome was that? That was that felt good. <laughs> like uh, it's been two years since we've done like any significant in person events, so that that was a nice experience to go through. Yeah, I agree 100%. And uh, that, that's why I saw you do a presentation. And I was like, oh, man, now's the time. Let's get him on the podcast. Oh, man, boy, boy, was that did I have a night prior to that? I, I, I think I was going off two hours sleep when I when I did that presentation. Because <laughs> you, got, you got a newborn? <laughs> Not a newborn. It was just uh, we, you know, we came in from Boston. So we had some travel shenanigans getting down there in terms of like the weather and then just delays at the airport and with the rental car and checking into our hotel. So it was just, uh, you know, it was a, it was a long night of travel before <laughs> doing that, doing that presentation, but thank you for sitting through it. And I, I kept your attention. So I, I appreciate that. <laughs> you did quite well. No one said it. No one, well, a few people behind me, but they don't count. Anyway, we're on here today because we're going to be addressing um, the personal training, strength conditioning industry. And with your experience, I just got, I got some questions I want to run yeah. and get your take on it. So the first one here is a lot of people who like fitness, they always start from somewhere. There's a turning point in, the, in their lives where they say, you know what, this could be for me. And I know myself personally, my parents never said, you can't, you can't make, can't make a living being a trainer, right? You know, the, um, uh, my dad used to send me resumes for the Tim Hortons, which is a coffee company. And they were hiring people in, in Iraq at the war. 
<laughs> you can make 40 grand a year tax-free. And yeah. I was like, no, like, I'm a trainer. It's good. Like I'm a trainer. Yeah. So at what point in your life did you say like, you know what, I'm going to try to go into this field. Cause you've been around for a long enough time, but I don't think it was a very strong profession when you started. Uh, so my, my first year in the industry was 2002. Um, I just, um, I actually was a baseball player. So I played my, my goal was to be a professional baseball player that, that obviously did not, uh, pan out. Um, but when I was done playing my four years of college ball, I, I, I didn't have a degree yet. So I was like, Oh, I, I actually need to get a degree. And I got, ended up going into health education. Uh, and I was going to, I was like this close to becoming a health teacher. I had to do my, my, um, student teaching at both a high school placement and a middle school placement, my senior year in college. And it was a, it was a lovely, nice experience. Um, definitely an avenue I, I, I could definitely see myself doing, but I also had a concentration, uh, which was health, um, health wellness. No, what was my kind of health wellness, uh, performance. Um, and that required me to do an internship at someplace that summer. And I ended up doing it at a commercial or a corporate gym, uh, where I was more or less a personal trainer for this company who basically hired another company to come in and run their gym. Uh, and it was, it was actually a pretty legit gym in, in terms of like corporate fitness. I mean, they had everything you could think of they had. And luckily enough, when I was done with that internship, I, they had, there was a, a position open. So they hired me right out of the gate, which I was very fortunate of. Um, and then I, it was like, okay, well, I could accept that job or I could become a health teacher and have to wear a tie and khakis to work every day or sweatpants to work every day. Uh, so to me, it was a, you know, a, you know, I say it somewhat facetiously, uh, but I am kind of serious too. Uh, the, the idea of wearing sweatpants to, to work every day uh, and, 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 and helping people get stronger and, uh, deadlift and squat that, that excited me way more than, um, you know, going in and talking about, uh, you know, disease and communicable diseases and, you know, sex ed and stuff like that. So, um, the honesty, the honesty about the sweatpants, my friend. Oh, it's, it's definitely a thing. So, I mean, I, and we all talk yeah. about when no one's listening. We were like behind. Oh yeah. We're like check out these Lulus. Check out the, the yeah. Exactly. We, we're comfortable all day long. We don't have to. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's awesome. Uh, I, you know, but, I, but I have to say the, the seed was probably planted early in my life because I did play a lot of sports growing up. Uh, I grew up in a very small town in central New York. So really all I, all I had to do was all I was able to do was play sports. There was no internet. There was no, we had like three stations on our TV. It was black and white, you know, something we eventually we got a color TV, but uh, um, so I played a lot of sports and I just naturally gravitated toward lifting weights and getting, gaining an interest in that. Certainly it, it, it certainly helped to watch Rambo and Commando and Van Damme movies. And so certainly Schwarzenegger, Stallone and Van Damme, uh, <laughs> you know, wanting to look like them, watching a lot of He-Man cartoons. I was like, well, th those guys probably lift weights to look that way. That'd be kind of cool. I bet that would help me hit a baseball further. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of in intuitively gravitated toward that lifestyle. Um, and then, you know, eventually through school and just sheer luck, uh, you know, I was able to uh, transfer that to a, a viable career. Uh, and I did enter it like when I, when I accepted that internship and then they hired me as, as a personal trainer, 
you know, because I, I, I did, I was in corporate fitness, but I also supplemented that working in commercial gyms too, as a commercial gym, personal trainer, I did view it as a career early on. I was like, this is what I'm going to do. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to help people get stronger, help people move better, uh, help them achieve their goals. Uh, and I get paid to do it. Like in, getting paid to hang out in a gym was kind of cool. Um, you know, I, I look at my salary back when I first started and kind of cringe. I was like, whoa, <laughs> like that, that was a, a, how I was able to, you know, make ends meet was a, another story. But, uh, um, but certainly I've been very fortunate and lucky over the course of the last two decades um, to, yeah, still say, yeah, I, I have a, a pretty darn good career. I, I, I do a fair bit of writing and do workshops and I travel the world and I present and um, I never would have foresaw that stuff coming. Um, but it, it's been, it's been a nice ride for sure. The, uh, the writing, did you get into writing quickly? Cause you know, you've written for pretty much all the major fitness magazines or websites out there now. And I think one of the first articles I ever uh, read from you was on T nation. Mm -hmm. Did you, did you fall into writing quickly or how, how do you get into writing? I, know I honestly, Chris, I have no idea how the hell that happened <laughs> to be, to be quite candid. I know. Cause I, 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 if you were to, if, if I had a time machine and I went back to 16 year old me and told him, Hey, you're going to be paid to write and you're going to be a quote unquote writer. Uh, I probably would have laughed. I, I would definitely laugh at myself. And my, my, my then English teacher would probably laugh too. Cause she'd be like, you are, you are right. Can write a coherent sentence. What are we, what are we talking about? Um, I, this, my, my, my foray into writing was a bit of luck too. And that I did express interest. So certainly there was, you know, when I started that, my first job, that internship, um, I had no idea places like testosterone magazine tnation.com existed and like these this idea of forums like you go on you can you can go you can log on to your computer and go into these forums where just people are talking about training and nutrition and fat loss and how do you add muscle and what should you eat after a workout i had no idea this world existed until then um and when once i was in i was drawn in and sucked in i just had a, a real a really high insatiable desire to uh, learn and, 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 and like just hear and, and listen to what other people were doing. Um, and, you, and it, was it, it, go ahead. Did you, uh, do you ever have a body space account on bodybuilding.com? No, nope. I didn't know. Uh, but still it's just like, I was just very naive at the, at that point. Like, yeah, certainly my, 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 the, the courses and the curriculum that I had to follow in college certainly set the base, you know, the foundation that yes, I had to take, exercise physiology and I had to take nutrition and I had to take all these other, you know, but I had to take biology. Um, but they don't really prepare you for when a, a, an actual person is standing in front of you and is like, Hey, I want, I want you to train me. <laughs> uh, so, you know, when, I, when I, when I got drawn into these forums and these various websites, mental test, tnation.com and yes, bodybuilding.com, you know, I really started reading a lot. I mean, to the point where I was, I, I literally would, would uh, print articles out and put them in three ring binders. And as, and I, and oftentimes what I would do early in the morning when I would get to work is I would do like a little bit of like, you know, 30, 40 minutes of brisk walking on a treadmill. And I would just reread these articles that I had in these three ring binders, like repeatedly mm. and just, just like, yeah, I want to learn. And, um, and it was through that, that I met uh, a few cool people like that, that it was, it was via these forums that I eventually crossed paths with Eric Cressy. Um, and he and I 
um, would just repeatedly see each other in these various um, topics and uh, in these various forms. And we had, we had a lot of the same thought processes and way, way of doing things. Uh, and then eventually um, he, he mentioned to me how he was moving to this, uh, this area in Connecticut after, after he finished his school. And like there were, this place was looking for another personal trainer. So he's like, Hey, you should think about coming out here and, and uh, applying and interviewing for that job, um, which I did. And then, um, you know, I had to explain to my parents that, Hey, I'm moving out to Connecticut with, with this guy I met on the internet, <laughs> you know, which, which back now is not a big deal, but back oh, in like no. 2004, 2005, that was kind of weird. <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, and, and, and it was then like fast forward, maybe a year or so where, you know, Eric is a, is a different breed. Like he, he is a whole nother level of just work ethic and like knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so being around him, you know, it kind of like by, by me, by, by sheer proximity, you know, again, I wanted to learn more. And, and he was, he was already at a fairly young age, a pretty avid writer. I mean, his mom was an English teacher. So um, he had a lot of um, more knowledge in that front than I did, of course. So, but being around him, I mean, we were roommates for two years and you know, he would be, he would be, <laughs> I'd be in there like on my like fifth viewing of Lord of the Rings while he, he was like writing a book. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, and, and, and eventually I was like, you know, all the stuff that I would be reading, I was like, you know, I have, I, I have a voice. Like, I think I, I could explain this topic a little bit differently or maybe in a more entertaining fashion. Um, and I just ended up doing that. And eventually I, I got an article submitted on the Teen Nation or accepted on the Teen Nation. And that, that just kind of, evolved into being able to do more writing for them. And then also um, growing my own personal website and blog, um, which allowed me to, you know, and doing that almost daily. Like I was, I was, you know, when you're, when you're single and you don't have a kid, you don't have a girlfriend, like what else are you going to do? I'm going to lift, I'm going to write, I'm going to, I'm going to learn. And that's what I did. So um, yeah, I, you know, early in my career, I never had any aspirations to do any writing or do any fitness writing, but, it, but, but I'm very thankful that that happened. Uh, and then I had a, had a knack for communication in, in that, in that forum. Do you think a lot of personal trainers, because working in communication is, is, is so important and strong. Sure. Do you think that they gravitate towards the idea of presenting writing? I think, I think for <laughs> myself, I can only speak for me. I think that was a natural um, involvement in, in my, in my career. Cause certainly once, once my, once I was being published on Teen Nation and Men's Health uh, and more and more people were reading my website and my blog, you know, that I, I got more attention uh, and that eventually led to inquiries on, Hey, would you mind, could you come and speak on this? And could you, and, and, and two, like when we eventually opened up Cressy sports performance in 2007, you know, it was me, Eric, Eric and, and Pete Dupuy, you know, eventually at Brian St. Pierre and we had a staff and then we would start doing yearly um, uh, day seminars at Cressy sports performance where, where we would have a couple hundred people come in and, and listen to the staff present Uh you know, that for me, it was just a natural involvement. You know, I think, you know, certainly just being, you know, at a, a well-known facility, uh, mm-hmm. again, by proximity, it was kind of like, I wouldn't say it was forced upon me, but, you know, it was, because uh, because again, like my, I, I, I never thought that I would be a presenter either. Definitely not my strong suit. I mean, certainly a lot of people's fear is public, public speaking. 
Uh, and certainly I, I had my, my, my reservations on that front early in my career, but, but yeah, I do think, I do think it behooves many young fitness professionals to think about other ways of um, other revenue streams and mm-hmm. other ways of, uh, you know, getting their, their voice or their, or their, uh, yeah, their voice is heard, whether it be writing, whether it be YouTube or Instagram or TikTok or, or presenting, you know, me, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an introvert through and through. So writing to me is like a, is very therapeutic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I like being in my own head and I like being in my own thoughts. I like being in the quiet, you know, after coaching for a full week, like I just, I like having my me time. Uh, so having that opportunity to do some writing, it's just, it, yes, it's great to get my thoughts and out there and like, okay, world, here's what I have to say on these topics, but um, it's very therapeutic too. Um, but, but I do think again, it behooves again, many fitness professionals that yes, like your, your bread and butter is probably in-person training, or maybe it's, it's uh, distance coaching, but uh, I think in terms of generating ways of generating other revenue, um, I do, I do think it's a, it's a wise choice. I think that's where the fitness industry has been led to in the last uh, six, seven years is multiple revenue streams sure. within fitness. I mean, if you, if you specialize in heart surgery, man, you just work on hearts, right? Because, <laughs> right. That's all you really need to do. Sure. Sure. In our industry, with things being online, with things being through through writing, through websites, through you know selling a, a tibialis anterior tool, right? Like the, there's so many different streams, and I think it's because our, our industry is so young. You think about it. Well, there's that, and we're we're kind of generalists. Like you know, we're we're not. I mean, yes, there there are niches within within our industry. You can be a fat loss person. You can be a postpartum person. You can be a specific sport that you work with, um, but you know, we are generalists, like, you know, you mentioned heart surgeons, like there aren't many heart surgeons out there, <laughs> you know, that, that's a lot of schooling. I mean, let's be honest, like to become a heart surgeon is probably 10, 15 years of school, whereas you can theoretically become a personal trainer in a weekend. Yeah. So a lot of people um, teach the goblet squat. Right. So, uh, but I think you are correct in that this idea of other revenue streams is definitely now is totally a thing, but it's, it, it's really been within the last five, six, seven years. Uh, that it's really, really um, a lot of much, a lot of full steam ahead on that. Like early on, there wasn't really a, many ways to do that. Like there weren't, you know, when I had a blog or I still have it, but when I started doing it, there weren't many other coaches out there writing blog posts. Like it was me, Eric Cressy, Mike Robertson, Mike Boyle, Dan mm-hmm. John, Kristen Scott Dixon. Uh, I mean, there, there weren't many. <laughs> so uh you know, I was, I was happy. I, I was again, lucky that I, I jumped in on that, that train pretty quickly. And I was a, I was an early adopter. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's like, it's hard to go. It, it's hard to get anyone's attention because everyone has a platform with social, social media, you know? So it's, it's good and bad now it's good. And that it's, it's never been, it's never been easier to get your stuff out there, mm-hmm. but it's, but it's never been harder to actually have it be, be absorbed. <laughs> Or, or, or read or listened to because there's everyone is vying for everyone's attention now. So, sure. so to that, to that degree, I mean that, that, you know, having, having some experience uh, uh, helps, um, you know, I think, you know, actually being a coach that works with actually being a coach that actually coaches <laughs> is, is important. Yeah. Uh, you know, weird, weird concept. I know, right. It's, you know, I think those those coaches who actually work with people in person 
this is not to say that there aren't successful like online coaches. I'm not saying that, but I do, but I think, I do think most successful, what we would deem successful online coaches have their base and actually like training people in person. Like mm-hmm. they, they, they've done it for several years before they, before they became successful in the, in the online platform. Cause if you can't, if you can't coach a goblet squat in person, um, it's going to be hard to do it <laughs> over, over a computer. So yeah. we, um, we shut down pretty hard here in Canada and uh, this yeah. observation, a lot of us went to the virtual space, whether it was doing just online coaching or virtual sessions. And you could tell that those who struggled were, were very much novice or didn't have any um, strong skills with one-on-one coaching, mm-hmm. even though it's now a whole different platform, they still, they miss some of those basics and uh, they tended to struggle. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if the pandemic taught us anything is that, that, that I, I hate using this term because it's overused now, but that, that idea of pivoting is important being able to having, but that's where the revenue streams come into play. Like if you don't have, uh, if, if, if someone didn't have like an online, uh, template for lack of a better term to begin with, like that was a hard pivot <laughs> to be like, Oh shit, what am I going to do now? Whereas if you just naturally, if you already had it, like, cause with me, I would say, I would say 75% of my, my revenue is in-person coaching or maybe, maybe a little bit less than that, maybe like 60, but others, but other avenues is online coaching is presenting is writing is, is developing, um, uh, digital products. Uh, so again, I, I, there's a lot of value with diversifying, um, your, your expertise. Now where now where that goes is is it's completely individual. Like again, me, I I I tend to gravitate toward the keyboard. Um, I hate doing YouTube videos. I hate it. I hate filming videos. I, I absolutely abhor it. <laughs> and I mean, it, it's like a it's like a I, I do it, but it's not it's not my strong suit. You know, some people are very good on camera. They're very clever. Eh? You notice that YouTube to upload a video on YouTube takes forever. Well, it's even that, or I mean, I don't do TikTok, but uh, but even creating it amazes me how creative people are on on you know Instagram or on TikTok or even um, Reels or whatever. Like, I mean, that's just not how I roll. But um, so certainly there there are many options at our fingertips now, which is great. But again. It, it, it's harder to get people's attention too. So it should be to me that, that whatever content you do, you do put out still needs to be palatable, actionable, simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think we we're very enamored by glitzy, fancy stuff, but I, 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 I impress upon young fitness professionals that the more simple you make things, the better, the better is probably going to come or the better it's going to be absorbed. Um, and uh, access by, by the masses. Mm-hmm. With, um, with the pandemic and then mm-hmm. pivot, how did, how did you pivot? What were some areas that you, you went to? <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I mean, thankfully I, I keep using this word luck, but I'm in Boston uh, and I'm in, I'm in, I'm in Brookline, which is just, it's like a, it's like a, a mile or two like border from Boston. So it is Boston, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, in the early stages of the pandemic, my studio was, was shut down for three months. Like everyone, it was like, okay, you're shut down. Like you're not, you're not doing anything. So in that, in that realm, because I had um, my website and because I already had distance coaching clients and because I had digital products out there, um, I was able to pivot to that and just focus on that stuff uh, during that time. Um, and then, and then, 
I was it, after like it was what end of June of 2020. I, I was able to open back up relatively quickly compared to some of the many of my colleagues, yeah. um, because the size of my studio was such where the square footage was small enough where I could still have one or two people in, um, and 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 still be, be operational for lack of a better term. Um, so then. So yeah, it was very, it, 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 the, the fact that I still, I, even before the pandemic started, I had these other revenue streams available, um, made it easy to pivot, mm-hmm. um, you know, but, and then certainly some of my in-person coaches did revert to Zoom or virtual coaching, which I'm going to be honest, was not my favorite thing to do, <laughs> but it wasn't about me. It, it was really about serving them and helping them, uh, Cause I got to say like, after the fact, like when, when I was able to start seeing my in-person clients in person again, more, many of them said like, listen, you, you were my break. Like, like the fact that my, my sessions with you, even though they were virtual on zoom, like you were my break from the monotony of, of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was why I, I, I did it. Cause it, it wasn't really, I didn't like doing it, but it wasn't, it wasn't about me. Uh, it was really, again, about serving my clients and helping them out. So um, I don't know if they answered the question. I know I went off on a little bit of a rant there, but, uh, you answered it and then added value to it. So. Okay. Well, good. Okay. Success. <laughs> um, working at, uh, Crescent performance, I, I come, I've come to know you and the team as, um, strength conditioning coaches, mm-hmm. uh, specifically with baseball, baseball mm-hmm. big thing. And I always remember like watching the video or, or reading something and I'd always grab my own arm. I'd always be like, Hey, Hey, you know, you just, as you're reading, I'm always going through some of these motions here. Would you classify yourself as a strength conditioning coach or a personal trainer? And then, uh, I would say, say the differences. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think the difference between the two is a piece of paper. Uh, um, I would classify classify myself as both. Like I kind of use them interchangeably. I think there's this connotation in the industry that they're like a strength coach is a hoity toity. Uh, I'm better than you. Than the, than the lowly personal trainer. Um, I, I, I call myself a personal trainer. And at times I say I'm a strength and conditioning coach. I, I really use them interchangeably. Um, I think if you, if, if someone put my arm behind my back and said, Hey, describe the difference. Um, I would say it's a piece of paper. It's a certification. That is the difference. Um, but if I wanted to be a little bit more um, direct, I, I would probably say a strength and conditioning coach isn't working with people for the sake of just lifting weights. We are preparing them for sport performance. Uh, and a lot of what we do in a session is, is seeing what, what is, what's going to transfer to them on, on their respective court field, et cetera. Um, there's not, there's not a superfluous stuff that we're doing with, uh, an athlete. Like we really are, everything we more or less do on the gym floor is, is dedicated or directed towards trans transfer to their sport. Um, you know, and that's not to say that personal trainers aren't working with athletes or, 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 or don't have a semblance of that either. But, you know, when, when I think of personal trainers, we tend to think, you know, we're working more gen pop clients uh, and that it is more about lifting for the sake of lifting. Yes, there are goals. There's fat loss and, you know, working around low back injuries and performing. I get it. That, that is definitely in there. Um you know, and then, and then sadly too, a lot of it is entertainment. I mean, uh, there's entertainment lifting there. So, you know, I think a, a poor personal trainer is someone just like, okay, let's, let's toss something on the, on the wall and see what sticks. This is what you're doing today. It's entertainment. And some people are very happy with that because 
that that's, that's their again that's their break from the monotony of their of their day-to-day activities like working with their trainer um but you know i think a, a good personal trainer is still someone that's cognizant of you know working helping somebody reach a performance-based goal whether it's uh you know a two times body weight squat or whether it's achieving their first chin-up whether it's you know working um, past uh, working around a, a knee injury or, or knee pain, um, there's still an element of that, of course. But um, but I you know again I think it's interchangeable. Um, you know, strength coach, personal trainer, because personal trainers work with athletes and strength coaches work with Gen Pop clients. Um, but I hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, my takeaway yeah. is that you said the difference is piece of paper. One is designed to yeah. more for sport performance. One is Gen Pop. But at the end of the day, it's a piece of paper. Yeah, there's definitely, I mean, there's, there's, I, I would say there's way, like with programming, mm-hmm. there's more similarities than there are differences, you know, it, in terms of like the role of a strength and conditioning coach and personal training. I mean, there's, there's more we do that are the same than, than there is different. I started getting paid working with athletes. I was a strength conditioning coach at the University of Brunswick. So mm-hmm. all the sports teams there, and we would use backwards design models based on the season. Right. You know, you're off season, you're in season, you know, sure. and go. then I started working personal training and I use the same concept. Yeah. You periodize based on goal. Okay. And, and in the early days it was, you want to lose 20 pounds. Okay. Calorie deficit pound a week, 20 weeks backwards design model. Right. Now. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. The Tudor Bompa periodization books, right? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Are you saying linear periodization works? Are you saying <laughs> that? Like what, what is this blasphemy? <laughs> yeah, I, I would, I would, I did it in a reverse order, but a similar thing. And you're, you're absolutely right. The only difference was a piece of paper. You could apply it, you know, and, and sometimes yeah. you get those super athletes who you just say, do this and they do that. And then sometimes you get the super clients with the exact same. And then sometimes you get the clients, they need their handheld. And sometimes you have the athletes that need their handheld as well. Right. Sure. It's yep. just, it's the paper. I love it. Yeah. So I, I, I don't, I, I don't, to me personally, there's very little differentiation. Like, yes, there, like, if you want to get specific, yes, there's the, the performative side, you know, competitive season, mm-hmm. off season, in season training, that is a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but most personal trainers are not working with a competitive athlete. They're working with gen pop, but there's still a semblance of periodization there. Yeah. Um, you know, not that it's in season, off season, but it is, it is goal oriented. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're writing programming for the, for those goals. Yeah. And I'll say like, if you're working with teams, then also you have to monitor a group. That's a whole different. And I used to think arrogantly that that was like a whole different skill set. You need to be able to control the team and the weight room. You got 20 bodies in here. You got, you got to be able to control that. A personal trainer could never do that. Then when I started working in a commercial gym, I watched people teach classes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. They have a hundred people. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck. (laughs) Roll it. So all of a sudden it was like, it's similar, but different, different, similar. And, you know, I have to say with me, like, I don't, I do very little personal training in the sense that, that I work one-on-one with people. Like my model is something that I adopted while at Cressy Sports Performance and just took it with myself, whereas that semi-private model Mm -hmm. uh, where I'm working with two to upwards to five people at the same time, but they're all working off their own program. And I'm just kind of doing like coaching triage. Like I'm fixing a squat here. I'm fixing a push up there. You know, I'm coaching up. Okay. Well, let's fix your dead bug. Let's do this here. You know, and then not to mention just all the, 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 the shenanigans with like, just 
changing programming on the fly. You know, some people walk in feeling like crap one day, like you have something scheduled and they're just not feeling it that day. It's like, okay, we're going to do this instead. Oh, that exercise doesn't feel good on your shoulder. Okay. We're going to do this instead. So, you know, in my, in my world, uh, I, you know, I'm not doing quote unquote personal training in a sense that I'm working with one person at a time. Like I am, I am kind of doing a team uh, approach. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but it, we, we, it was just like, it's just semantics is semi-private. I mean, they're still getting a lot of one-on-one attention, just not, you know, we're just not the only ones in the room. When you started doing that, did you come up with that idea? Or did someone say, you know, well, you know, when we, when, when, when the three of us, Eric, Pete and I, uh, decided to open up Cressy Sports Performance. Uh, one person that we we lean we relied a lot on was Alan Cosgrove, uh, mm. and he he encouraged Eric to adopt this semi-private uh, uh, format. And in terms of scalability, it's like simple scalability. Uh, in terms of like you know y- your your ability to to generate more revenue was just working with multiple people as per hour as opposed to one. Um, and Eric coming from a strength and conditioning background from UConn, cause he's, he worked with the basketball teams and worked with several other varsity teams at UConn, um, was like, Oh, we could probably, we could probably, uh, apply the semi-private format in, 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 in this realm, like have a, have it like, kind of like meld both together, like strength and conditioning, like, okay, we're going to be, we're going to be getting after it. Like we're, we're getting, we're getting athletes ready for a competitive season, but, but in a way that's it's the semi-private format where we're, all of us coaches are just kind of roaming the floor um, and coaching people up. Mm-hmm. So, and not to mention there's, you know, at Crusty Sports Performance, it wasn't just athletes. I mean, we had many regular people coming in to work out as well. You know, they read articles on Teen Nation and, you know, they're kind of like self, self-selecting clients. Like even now I, I have self-selecting clients. A lot of my clients who come to me are very much interested in, learning how to deadlift and improving their squat. And, you know, they, it's not foreign to them, like what these lifts are, they kind of know their way around the weight room already. So, and that, that's the type of clientele that we would get at Cressy sports performance too. Um, And yeah, uh, but Alan was, uh, was, was someone who encouraged us and mentored us into that, into that format. Cause he did it, he did it to a high success out in California with Mm -hmm. his, with his um, gym results fitness. Uh, and then was just kind of helping us like adopt it as well. And it, it, it's, and, and now, now since then, I mean, there are many, many, many gyms that, 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 that do that. I mean, this is not to say one-on-one training is not relevant and not useful and not doable. Now I know very many successful coaches who do one-on-one only. Um, but I know many coaches who, who like semi-private, like I, I enjoy it just because I feel, I feel more engaged as a coach when I'm working with one, two, three people at a time, as opposed to one at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just find, you know, cause then I, you know, selfishly, I just find that, you know, I very rarely does this happen. I can think in the, 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 the two decades that I've been a personal trainer, I can think of maybe on one hand, the number of clients that I absolutely hated training mm-hmm. or that where that hour was the worst hour of the week that rarely ever happens. Um, but I can think back like, man, if, if that, if I was working with that one person early in my career, but I also had two other people there at the same time, it would have made it way more manageable and less, less draining um, than just being one-on-one with that, with that person dragging me down. So, um, you know, I just find I'm, I'm a more engaged uh, coach when I, when I, when I'm in that semi-private format. 
I think other trainers can and uh, can agree with you on that one. And uh, maybe exercisers, regular exercisers, they don't they don't get or understand um, when you when you work in fitness for so long, you see the same things over and over again. So an average person says, Tony, you know, I want you to help me with this, 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 and you'll have all the answers, and they'll be blown away, but they don't realize you're like, I've been doing this twenty years, right? <laughs> it's not as exciting as when you have three, four, five bodies at the same time. And you can say, oh, now I'm here. Now I got to be turned on for this. Now I got to be turned on for this. Would you say yeah. it's exciting in, the, in that concept? I, but it can also be draining too. Like, believe me, like that, you know, when I, I when I have to be on for five hours and I have, and I'm working with four people every hour, like, and my head's basically on a swivel, mm-hmm. you know, after those five hours, like I'm ready. When, I, I, I feel sorry for my wife at times because, because I'll come home and she'll be like, who'd you see? What'd you do? Like, tell me about your day. And I'm just like, Ugh. You know, I'm just like, like, give give me, give me 30 minutes to decompress. And, um, but I, I, I would say more importantly, like what, another advantage of this concept of, of semi-private is, is this idea of, of relatedness. So as, as part of the self-determination theory of motivation, like I do, I do feel people feed off of other people's energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it was uh, particularly when you're, when you're around like-minded individuals. So I have many clients who look forward to their session Yes, because they're working with a good coach. I would, I would like to think that, but also because they're excited to come in and to train with their gym buddy and, and, and like get after it and like push each other and encourage each other and, you know, and have a good time and just listen to Wu-Tang and let's deadlift. And, you know, it's that, that's how we roll at my, at my studio. And um, so I do think that, you know, part of that, part of the success of that model is this idea of community. Um, and I, I think that's a, that's a powerful component of, of, uh, of motivation for people. That's a great little business tip that you gave to any say trainers that are listening. So we might have some people listening right now that might be in year one to five, you know, they're novice level trainers and stuff. You've got two decades plus of experience. Would there be any uh, tips, any suggestions you might want to, you know, send to a newer trainer that could help them along their, their career? Oh man, there are many. I would, I will say for those trainers in years one through five, uh, who, who probably are working in a commercial gym and hating it, stick with it. (laughs) Uh, I, I encourage every fitness professional. I encourage them to listen, you want like working in a commercial gym, you're going to get better. You're, you're going to have access to myriad of different personalities, backgrounds, body types, motivations, goals, it's going to make you, it's going to expose you to so much, so much variety that you're, you're only going to get better and gain experience, which is important. Uh, so I would encourage those who are, who are bitching and whining, well, I work in a commercial gym and, um, you know, it's, it's just that, unfortunately that's the way it is more, more often than not, but I would, but it, but that's a good thing. Like you're going to get better just by sheer exposure to all these, the, all these different individuals that you're going to be working with. Um, also to that point, I would, I would say, I would encourage you to seek out mentors, um, which is something I, I wish I did earlier in my career, but thankfully I, I, I was, I surrounded myself amongst people who were very like-minded like me with that, you know, just, they were mentors anyway, but I would say like, you know, even if you are working in a commercial gym, seek out like coaches or fitness professionals within your area that maybe have their own studio or work at uh, a collegiate strength and conditioning that you can reach out and say, Hey, I, I love reading your stuff. I love watching your videos, etc. I would love to come in and shadow and observe 
once, maybe once a week for a while, or, or even maybe it's just a one-time thing. Who knows? Uh, I think that's valuable just to see what other fitness professionals are doing with their assessments. How do they, co- how do they coach a kettlebell swing? You know, how do they break down a deadlift? How, 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 how do they coach 10 different individuals, a, a, a clean, <laughs> like mm-hmm. that that's invaluable. And I, I would say I would, it would behoove any fitness young, particularly young fitness professional to do that. Um, and then, but even, even veteran coaches need to do that too. Like I, I find when I, when I, the, a lot of the value I get when I go to like work or conferences, like we did a couple of weeks ago, is just hearing what other, what, what other professionals are doing and what their experiences are, what their insights are. And more importantly, if I, if I get the opportunity to watch them in action, mm. like how do they, how do they coach a squat? Mm. Uh, you know, it might sound like a very mundane thing, but I love it. Like I love watching Mike Robertson coach up uh, a goblet squat. Like, I don't care. It, I love it. Or Dan John, like listening to him talk about how he coaches anything is, is thrilling. <laughs> Dan, Dan's the guy who like came up with the goblet squat. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that until not too yeah. long ago. I was like, yeah. He's Dan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's the guy. And, um, you know, and then on top of that, I think along with mentorships and or finding somebody to mentor, observe shadow, um, is I, I, I really find it sad when, uh, coaches, trainers, fitness professionals become complacent, uh, and, and, and stop learning or pigeonhole themselves into one way of thinking. Nothing turns me off more than when I read an article or watch a video of somebody saying, this is how you coach a squat. If you don't coach it this way, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're doing like that. That to me is absurd and such a narrow minded way of doing things because everyone's different. Everyone has different body types. Everyone has different goals. Who gives a fuck? Like, like if you're getting people better, you're doing a good job. Like it doesn't matter. <laughs> like Results have to be the, you know, the determining factor. Oh, I, it really grinds. I mean, I, it, it, it really turns me off when I, when I come across stuff like that, which is why I try to go out of my way to come across as somebody who's, pr- who's very middle of the ground, very open to different ways of, of seeing things and viewing things. Um, don't get me wrong. I have my biases and ways that I like to coach things, but I always preempt every time I, I present saying, listen, I'm not here to tell you that what I'm about to present is what you should be doing. And that this is the end all be all, but, or the panacea of success, but it's what's worked for me. Um, you know, it's information. Hopefully it's useful. Mm-hmm. Um, so those would be what I would, I would <laughs> uh, you know, at least some stuff off the top of my head that I would recommend for uh, young fitness professionals. And how do we, how do we equate success in the fitness industry? Oh man, you, you do, you do a lot of things. You do some group, you do personal, you write, um, you've got your blog, right? You do online, you present. Is that considered success? Is there other ways to consider? I mean, I'm not, I, you know, I'm not one to self-promote. I'm not one to brag. I'm not one to do that, but I, I've done well for myself and I do well financially you know, so from a financial standpoint, I do think that the ability to di- be diverse uh, and to, you know, like widen your, widen your palette in this industry um, is a smart approach. Um, you know, it's a, I, I do feel a, if, you, if, you're, if you're solely coaching people in person as a personal trainer, I do think that's finite. Um, you have to think about the future. Like, you know, thinking about retirement is something that we don't we don't think about it as fitness professionals, particularly young, like no one, no one spoke to me about retirement and SEP IRAs 
and you know you know investing or any or like how do i do my taxes as a young fitness professional i learned that the hard way i fucked up my taxes at early in my career and it met a oh, awful experience um i paid some taxes now yeah now i have the i have the best accountant in the world no, like no. i, like, I <laughs> went to pay my taxes and put the wrong number and i did it online and i threw about 11 grand into someone's account in saskatchewan canada oh man, oh, man. i paid someone else's taxes oh my gosh awful i learned the hard way myself <laughs> yes so uh i do think this idea of of, of um again revenue streams is important because uh, again, I, you know, I'm thinking like I, I had this discussion with my wife recently, you know, because I'm, I'm in the midst of uh, expanding my studio and, and, op- and like doing a build out for a larger gin space here in Boston. You know, I just got to the point where it's like, do I really see myself at 65? I'm 45 right now at 65, like, you know, coaching 30 hours a week you know, on the gym floor. Uh, and I, got, I thought to myself like, no, like, I'm sure I will be coaching. But I don't really see myself doing that, like, like, you know, like, like busting my butt per se at 65, you know, so what, 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 what how am I going to prepare for uh, this idea of kind of stepping away a little bit, um, which is why I, I think it's great that I, I do get to present and get go around the world because I, you know, I call it subsidized travel. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, you know, I, yes, I, I, I get to present in Europe and Australia and across the United States and Canada. And that's been great. Like, I love to travel and I, and I get paid to do it. How cool is that? Um, so, you know, success to me, I mean, that's a hard thing to define. Cause I do think part of that being a successful fitness professional is this idea of work-life balance. Mm-hmm. I, I, cause I also think, and I think this came up at, um, at the raise the bar conference where, you know, someone's like, well, you know, I'm burning the candles at both ends. Like, you know, we're, we're, I think we're programmed as fitness professionals that we have to grind it out. We have to hustle. And like, that's somehow glamorous. And I would call bullshit on that. (laughs) Like, no, we have lives. We have, you know, we have significant others. We have children, we have hobbies that we enjoy. Um, So I do think uh, part of success in this industry is the ability to set boundaries uh, with your athletes and with your clients saying, listen, I'm not, I'm not answering emails after 9 PM. Like I'm not, I'm not doing it. <laughs> uh, I, I don't coach on X days. Like for me personally, right now, I, I don't coach people in person on Thursdays, Fridays, or Sundays. Those like Thursdays and Fridays to me are, are, are days that I get to do stuff like this mm-hmm. that I get, you know, right before I got on with you, I was working on a teenage article. I get to catch up on some writing. Uh, I write, I write programs. Like I'm doing work. I'm not just watching, Amazon prime the entire day. Yeah. But, um, but those, those are days that I don't coach and my clients know that, you know, there's like, Hey, you know, and that's a boundary that I set for myself. And I, and I find that I'm a better coach when I'm actually coaching because I set these boundaries. Um, you know, not to mention, you know, on the weekends, like Saturday is a big coaching day, but Sunday is family day. And that's a boundary that I set. I spend time with my, with my kid, with my wife, we, we have date night, we, you know, watch movies like last weekend, you know, my kid's five. We watched The Sandlot for the first time. You know, it's like, movie. you know, it's a great movie. Yeah. Like he watched the whole thing. I love, um, I love taking old movies. I got a five and a seven. I love yeah. taking old movies and then showing it to them. Oh, it's awesome. It's the best. Reliving. And uh, so I think, I think this idea of success isn't just, mo- isn't just money. Um, that's part of it, of course. Mm-hmm. But I do think it is this idea of work-life balance and, and, and this, this innate ability to separate the two and setting boundaries and, um, understanding or, or appreciating that 
you know, you don't, you don't have to be the person that's like saying yes to everything and that you got, and that you have to work, you have to put in 12 hour days. Like at some, yes, early in our careers, it's everyone has been through that. We, we, we've all been there. Um, but that does not somehow glorify, <laughs> uh, or, or, you know, what I, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? It isn't, I, it's not, it's not a glamorous lifestyle. It doesn't give you, it doesn't give you any, you know, um, bonus points, um, for wor- working yourself to death. Yeah. Uh, so I, I do think it's very important to, um, you know, lean into your, uh, stuff outside of fitness. Like I always, I always like to tell her when I present, like, I think it's important to have a life outside of fitness. Like we, we can't just, we can just can't read, breathe, eat, sleep, deadlifts at all times. Like, you know, I think you should enjoy like other activities outside of fitness, whether it's movies, whether it's reading books, whether it's whatever, whatever, like have hobbies outside of fitness. You got, you um, got, one? you got, you got a completely outside of fitness hobby. Oh, I mean, I, I'm, I, I, to me, like if I, if I weren't, if I weren't in the fitness industry, I would try to find some way to be, to review movies. <laughs> like, uh, I would, if I, if I were somehow paid to watch like two to four movies a day, mm-hmm. um, I would be fine with that. <laughs> Straight up uh, like, like tonight, for example, I, uh, there's, um, I'm a member of, a of, a independent movie theater here in my, in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and tonight they're having a special viewing of Malcolm X, which sheepishly I've never seen the whole thing, but they're bringing in a presenter to, to do like a introduction, like for like a 30 minute presentation before the movie. And then I'm going to watch the movie. So, um, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I love watching movies. I love going to movies. I love rewatching movies. I love listening to podcasts about movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my wife is sometimes scared how I, I can like, Oh, that movie came out in 1982 and it started like, she's like, you're, you're freaking me out. Like you're a nerd. Shut up. Like, like so, um, and I, you know, and I think like a lot of fitness professionals, I enjoy reading of course, like, and I, and I enjoy reading stuff that's not related to fitness. Um, so yeah, there's that. Okay. So, so, so I asked you some advice for a novice trainer and what I got from it was mentorship you know, mm-hmm. time in, learn, reach out, ask for help. I didn't ask you, but you answered anyway, advice for a senior trainer. Oh, right? I did. Okay. Yeah. What, I, what did I say? I forget. I, I blacked out, Chris. I didn't know what I said. Found it. Correct me if I'm wrong, that as you stay in the industry longer, you need to get some business background, right? Yes. You yeah. You have help with the taxes and stuff. And you got to find the balance that is balancing where you're working, not just all on the floor, not just with this revenue stream, not just with this, getting a balance and then looking long-term and say, okay, at 65, what do I want to be doing? When it comes yeah, to that's fair. And I, I think uh, ability to delegate too. Like, uh, like I have a, a, um, uh, an assistant that does a lot of my, um, like she, she manages all like my, my requests on Facebook or she, she prepares my newsletter each week. Like I write this stuff, but she just like puts it into one email. So here are the links, like read what Tony wrote this week. Um, she, she tracks uh, sessions and packages for my, for my in-person clients. So she does stuff that's more like administrative uh, time sucks. Um, so I think, I think the, you know, this idea of like, you have to do everything like, you know, I, just, I do think uh, having a virtual assistant or some form of assistant to, you know, which isn't an exorbitant cost, um, you know, if, if, if it gives you time, then I think it's a, it's a cost well worth, well spent. Um, not to mention you can write it off, you can write it off as a, as a business expense. So, um, 
so I think that that's an important conversation too, is this idea of delegating um, duties or mm-hmm. tasks. Um, I think that's important. Appreciate that. For the rest of uh, 2022, what do you got going on? What's going on with the business? Well, I mean, Here you come Orlando, to- Orlando was a nice kickoff, a kickoff to uh, in-person yeah. presenting. So, uh, no, my, my good friend Luke Worthington uh, is coming over to Boston from London, and we're going to do our strategic strength workshop in Boston. It's a two-day workshop uh, that he and I have done several times in Boston and London, um, where we, we go, we do a deep dive into assessment and talk about deadlifts and squats and how do we, how do we, you know, figure out everyone's stance and how do we, all this variability with it. Um, and then that, and then that leads to me going over there to do the same one. So he's coming to Boston. I'm going to go to London um, to do one there and in Leeds. Uh, and then I got several stuff like that off in the, off in the like somewhat distant future, like summer, fall. Um, so yeah, there's definitely, more in-person speaking engagements coming back, which is great because I haven't done them for two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then oh, I, I have several like stuff in my back pocket in terms of um, articles I'd like to get written um, and, and um, resources I'd like to like, you know, my, my buddy, Brian Cron and I were supposed to, we're, we've been talking about doing like a um, some form of program for, you know, the, the 40 plus lifter for several years now, but we both had a kid at the same time. You, you said you had a five-year-old. Yeah, five, um, so it's something that we've been talking about for five years <laughs> when we both <laughs> turn 40, you know, we're both 45 now. Um, and now we, and, and, uh, you know, we, we've been, we've been kind of kicking it down the sidewalk that, you know, but eventually that's something that we want to get, get going as well. It's just some, just a program for 40, for the 40 plus lifter that basically just says like, listen, you're 40, 45, maybe 50. Um, there's some stuff that you have to consider, but you're not 25 anymore, but you can still get after it. Um, here you go. Let's, let's do this. Um, so there's that, that I, that I have brewing as well. It's the dad's lifting program. Yes. But a better name than that. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that, that's awesome stuff. Um, project fitness podcast appreciates you taking the time to come out and then come on this podcast and, and give us some of your expertise. I know anyone in the fitness industry, um, who's been following you, um, really would have enjoyed that myself, you know, just as a fan. So I do appreciate that. Uh, I think I'd like to come down to Boston and, and possibly be a delegate or participant into uh, that course. It sounds oh, cool. okay. Well that, I, yeah, I'd love to have it. I think it'd be great. We, you know, Luke's Luke, I mean, he's well known in, in the UK. Um, but man, he, he's got just as much, he's 20 plus years in the industry and he works with a lot of fancy people over in London. He's worked with a lot of lead athletes too, and regular people, but man, he's one of the smartest guys I know. Um, and he has a British accent, so it doesn't, you know, listening to him talk for seven hours is not a chore. <laughs> Last time I was so, in Boston, uh, Chico was down there for a two two day or yeah. Now it was my first time ever in Boston. Yeah, Boston. I, you know, I, I mean, I live here, so I, I mean, of course, I will, I will, I will speak to you know a lot, a lot of praise, but uh, I love it here. And then, um, you know, this workshop's in mid March, so it shouldn't, it shouldn't be too, too bad weather wise. But you're up in Ottawa, so it won't be too. You're used to it. That's right. Anything's better than this, my friend. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on today. We really pleasure. appreciate that. And um, anyone who's listening right now, we're going to have all of Tony's links in the show notes here. So if you want to, if you're not already following his blog, his website and as such, then uh, definitely click on those links and get a chance to, to check him out for sure. And that's it. Thank you so much, Tony. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Never stop learning because life never stops teaching. If you've learned at least one thing from this podcast and your mission is to help other people, please share this podcast with them. And a reminder, 
We will be releasing one episode every Monday for the entire year. So make sure to hit subscribe so you get the updated information as soon as possible. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. And thank you so much for allowing me to be part of it.